We are in the story. Today's story is deliverance, the story of Moses. And as we, uh, as we start this new month, I want to ask you a question. What one word would best describe your story this morning? The story that you and God are dealing with right now. Oh, there's the upper story. He's got a plan for your life. We're going to see that with Moses. But there's this lower story that we don't have the whole picture. Some of you this morning would say, if you just had one word, you'd say tired. Some of you would say great, mostly the young, (laughs) healthy, wealthy and wise. Everything's going great. Some of you might say busy. Others of you might say frustrated. Would that describe your story this morning? What if I were to tell you that the best word God would give you to describe the story that he has for your life is that of an adventure? Adventure would be the word that God would want you to use. Abraham, his adventure started when he was 75 years old. And because he had faith and he obeyed God, he got that son, and a nation was started. Well, that nation began to grow, but what good's a a nation that grows to about 70 if it all dies and starves of a famine? And so God has Joseph raised up so that he can save them from the famine. He forgives his brothers, gives them the land of Goshen, and they begin to multiply up to at least a million at some point early on. Moses' adventure will ultimately lead to a freed nation. And it never ceases to amaze me how much Moses looks like Charlton Heston. (laughs) You know, your lower story will make a whole lot more sense if we could all just learn to act as though this were an adventure. Adventure. You're climbing. You're on an adventure. Where is your adventure going to lead? Now, sometimes I admit that our adventures leave us in a tight spot. What do you do when you're in a tight spot? What do you do when you're hanging on a cliff by a fingernail? I showed that picture to a guy one time, and the guy says, that's not a tight spot. You want to know what a tight spot is? And he whips out his checkbook, and he says, trying to balance a checkbook that's hanging by a fingernail. Now, that's a tight spot. When the doctor calls, you're home and says, can you come in? You've just had tests the week before. Can you come in and bring your spouse? Never a good sign, folks. And you sit down in the office, and there you wait. It's not the office room. It's a consulting room, and he comes with an associate and a clipboard, and you hear the one word you don't want to hear, cancer. And yes, surgery. And yes, a limb must be removed. Now that's a tight spot. Or your son, your daughter ends up in prison. That's a tight spot. Or you're going through a relationship problem, so much so that it now ends in divorce. Those are the tight spots of life we all face. Amen? Every single one of us face tight spots in life. Moses was in a tight spot. 
really from the day he was born. He was born in the land of Goshen. And you say, well, I thought the land of Goshen was the best spot that God had planned for the nation of Israel. Well, it was. And they were fruitful, and they multiplied, and they were up to about a million when a new Pharaoh arose that knew not Joseph or what Joseph had done. Now, when the Bible, as you read that this past week, you may have been confused. How could this new Pharaoh that arose not know his own history? Oh, he knew Joseph. He knew the story. It just meant he didn't care. What have you done for me lately? All he sees is these people are multiplying so much so at this particular rate, they can take us over. And so to prevent that from happening, Pharaoh decrees a decree that all firstborn baby males be killed, thrown into the Nile River. Now that's going to come back to haunt him. Because there's going to come a day that his firstborn is going to die. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. But we're getting ahead of the story right now. And so Moses was born in a tight spot. And Jochebed, his mother and father, saw that there was something special about this boy. And they tried to hide him as long as they could. But then it became more and more difficult to keep him at home. And so she, Mama Moses made a basket, filled it with pitch, set it among the reeds and sent older sister Miriam to remember that in your reading and 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 then one day just purely by you know accident uh, Pharaoh's daughter decides I'm gonna bathe I'm gonna do it right here was that an accident was that providence that was the act of God that was God's hand that is God's lower story there was no other place that she was gonna bathe that day because God's finger was upon that boy And she looks down, she hears a baby crying, looks down in the basket, and she snatches baby Moses out of the basket. And she says, I'm going to take this one home. One of the Hebrew kids, I've got a baby. Look what I found. You know what Moses means, the name? To draw out of water. And quick thinking Miriam, remember she was in charge of babysitting, right? She goes over and says, you're going to need a nursemaid for that baby. You want me to fetch one of the nursemaids over here from the Hebrew women? Yeah, great idea. Do you see God's hand in all this? Do you see the upper story taking place in the lower story? And quick thinking, Marion goes over and gets her own mother to take the child to the palace. And that's where they live. They're now living in the palace. That had to be a heartbreaking decision. You moms have some tough decisions to make, but how do you, how do, you do this when you leave your family to go live in the palace so you can raise the child who will be the deliverer. God's hand is all over this. But it's a tough lower story, just the same. Can you imagine old Pharaoh? Oh, now, oh, guess what? He's in the palace. Who pays for all of Moses' diapers? Pharaoh. Who pays for all of Moses' groceries as he grows up? Pharaoh. Who pays for Moses' chariot driver education school? Moses. His braces, all that stuff. And can you imagine? Pharaoh comes home one evening after you know a long day of work, and he comes in. He's kind of tired. He says, "Man, chucking those Hebrew babies into the Nile—that's hard work." And I don't want to be bothered. I just want to sit down in the easy chair and take a little rest and play with my grandson. You see the irony? You see God in this? In this lower story? Where's the safest place in all of Egypt, folks? It's in Pharaoh's own 
how God is at work. God is alive. You think you're in a tight spot, but guess who's in that tight spot with you? God. Never, ever forget that. And although he looked like and he talked like and he walked like an Egyptian, he was a Hebrew. When you find yourself in a tight spot, you can do several things. You can escape. You can just kind of run from it. By the way, if you run from a problem that God is wanting you to go through with him, and you run from it, you will have to repeat it. So it's best just to stay where you are and go through it with God. You can try to escape in various ways. You can just kind of endure it, or you can go all the way through the problem with God. And that's what God really wants for you to do. And that's really where the growth is. And so we're asking this morning, what qualities are needed to make it through the tight spot? We're going to use Moses as our example because this man faced a tight spot again and again and again in life just as we will. If you're going to make it through a tight spot, number one, you must receive God's grace. Did you know that Moses at first resisted God's grace at the second calling? The first calling came rather early on. Actually, he was 40 years of age when the first calling came. Remember, he was educated at the temple of the sun. Moses, you've got to remember, in his, in his heyday, he was the pride of all of Egypt. He was known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Josephus will tell us that he was in line to be the next Pharaoh-elect. And then he got a call from God. Moses, Moses, that wasn't the first time he heard it at the burning bush, we'll see in a few moments. He heard it way back then. God said, you're going to be my man. See, he grew up learning from his mother that he was a Hebrew. He grew up learning about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the names that we've been studying lately. And, and isn't the story coming all together for you right now? You're starting to understand how this whole thing is fitting together. Well, Moses understood that. The problem with Moses was he wanted to do God's will. He was just going to do it his way. And one day while he was out and about, he saw an Egyptian whipping and beating one of his fellow Hebrew brothers. And he looks this way and he looks that way, no one around, he thinks, and he slays the Egyptian, kills him. Well, the next day he's out and about and sees two of his Hebrew brothers fighting each other. And he goes over and he tries to, you know, break up the fight. Hey, and, and, and they say, who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, Moses probably wanted to say, I'm the deliverer. And they said, who made you Lord over us? See, they don't want anything to do with Moses. Are you going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Uh-oh, the word's out. Moses is busted. See, God had a plan. Moses just ran ahead of the plan. God has a plan for your life, and he wants you to cooperate with the plan when those tight spots come. But don't get ahead of God. Wait on the plan. And so Moses knows that he, he's been outed. He's really a traitor, and he has to flee for his life. And he runs as far as the land of Midian. And there he works for his father-in-law, Jethro, for 40 years tending sheep. He feels worthless. He feels like a failure. This is one mighty man. He is educated. He is a rock star back in Egypt at one time, now tending lowly sheep on a mountainside. 
And he hears a voice from a burning bush. Exodus 3, verse 1. God called to him within the bush. Moses, Moses. Now, he'd heard that voice before, right? Forty years earlier, he'd heard that same voice. This is not a new voice to him. But now the second time, see, he hadn't heard this voice for 40 years. He had kind of forgotten about the voice, but boy, there it is again. It's clear. And now what's he beginning to feel? Shame, guilt, a failure. It reminds him that he had blown it. And Moses said, here am I. Verse 5, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. We don't know what he said the first time, but I kind of got a feeling the first time God called him, he told him those exact same words. And at this, Moses hid his face. Why? Well, he's ashamed. He's blown it. He's failed. He hid his face because he was afraid to even look at God. I blew it, God. I messed up. He thought he was finished forever. Have you ever felt that way in your life? Like you've blown it so far, you've so messed up that God can never, ever use you again. That's the way Moses is feeling. Moses is about to be one of God's greatest vessels. He thought he was a failure. He thought he could never be used by God again. He thought he was finished. He was finished in his own mind, but he wasn't finished in God's mind. And sort of an argument takes place. Watch this exchange. Verse 10. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That's the mission I gave you 40 years ago. That mission has not changed. But you're now a whole lot more seasoned. He's 80 years old, folks. Moses was se- or, uh, Abraham was 75 when he went on his adventure. Moses is 80. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go tell Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You know, God could have very easily said, uh, Oh, you know what? You're right, Moses. You're nobody. Who are you? You're a nobody. But that's not what God says. God says, I can turn nobodies into somebodies if you're just willing to cooperate. See, the problem is not our ability. Our problem is our availability. And we sound so humble when we say no to the request that God brings our way, that He wants us in on, that He wants to partner with us on. And we just keep saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm a failure. You can't use me. And God says, I wouldn't even come to you if I can't use you. Grace says you don't have to be somebody to be used by God. The upper story application is this. God does his best work with people that think they are finished. Amen? If you think you're finished this morning, God's just about to do a great breakthrough in your life. Verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. Now you'd think that would do it, right? What if God came to you you're feeling like a failure. You've blown it in the past. But God says, hey, i got this mission for you. And, and, and on top of that, I'm going to be with you. Therefore, if you partner with me, you cannot fail. I don't know about you, but if God came to me and 
said, hey, here's the mission. I'm going to be with you. You're not going to fail. My hand's up. I'm ready to go. But not Moses. Moses is feeling so guilty and like such a failure, he just wants out of it. Verse 12, And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship me on this mountain. Notice when, not if, you brought the people out. But when, do you see the certainty there? When you bring these people out, here's the sign. Come back to this mountain. What mountain was this burning bush on? Mount Horeb. What's another name for Mount Horeb? Sinai. Where did Moses receive the Ten Commandments? Mount Sinai. Guess what we're studying next week in the story? The story of the Ten Commandments. Where were they given? Mount Sinai. When you brought the people out, I want you to hit the pause button before going to the Promised Land, come back to this place right here. Got a few rules for you that are going to help you and going to bless your life. That's next week's message. Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose, now whenever you read suppose in the Bible, that's really what, that's, that's, this is Moses' worry list. And, um, and, and, and Moses is starting to think of all the, all the things that could go wrong. I, I may not have all the answers. Suppose I don't have all the answers. This was his first excuse. And you know what God's saying to him? Yeah, but you're going to have me. You're not going to have all the answers, but you're going to have me. So suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what will I tell them? See, God, I don't even know your name, and you're asking me to go and tell these people to follow me, and I don't even know your name. Oh, see, I can't do it. What a frivolous excuse, right? God says, I'll tell you what, here's my name. I am that I am. Now that's the name of God. And you know what? He says, tell him that. And that's a good, good name to describe the Lord God Almighty. Now you'd think that would do it. No. His guilt is still so enormous he wants out. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me? See, he's gone to suppose to the what ifs. Have you ever played what if with God? Well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if this goes wrong? When God's called you, yeah, there'll be some bumps in the road. There'll be some problems. But you're going to go all the way through the problem. Because that's where the growth is. What if they do not believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord didn't appear to you. And, and, and you remember that story. He says, Moses, what's in your hand? He says, well, I'm a shepherd. This is my staff. Well, throw it down. He throws it down and it becomes what, folks? A snake, a serpent. He says, now, pick it up. Picks it up. What's it become? A staff. He says, do that. They'll believe. And so he goes to his people, and he does that. Now, it took them a while to warm up, but they, they, they let him go to Pharaoh. You see God's power. You see God's, you're going to have me. You're going to have my power. Whatever excuse he throws out there, God has a comeback. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. I think he would get a huge argument from Stephen in the New Testament. 
Because in Acts chapter 7, Stephen will say, Moses was powerful in what, folks? Speech. Action. He just wants out of it. When you don't want to do something, you'll say anything. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go! Look, I'm going to help you. He said, I will be with you. You'll have all my power. You'll have all my prestige. You'll have my name. I'll even be with your tongue. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to help you what to speak and what to teach. And Moses says, okay, I'm all in. Nope. He's fighting God. Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Now, folks, I know that sounds really, really humble. And sometimes I'll come to you with a request, maybe a big request. And you say, oh, no, not me. And you just start beating yourself up. And you've got 101 reasons why you can't do it. And you can't follow God. And you know they can do it. Just, just want out. Moses just wants out. He's done. I'm 80 years old. When I was 40, yeah, I had the energy and I had the zeal. I just, zeal without knowledge and wisdom can end up in a mess and he had to run for his life. He's now seasoned. See, you're not really ready to be used by God until you're really, really broken. Once you're really, really broken like Moses, now you're ready to be used by God. God said, no, you're usable now. See, he, he's not, before he was running ahead of God. Now he's lagging behind God. You see, see Moses' life? God wants him to get on target right in the middle. Let's go through this problem, Moses. Let's go through this tight spot together. Don't lag behind. Don't run ahead. You're seasoned. You are totally ready for this. Verse 14. Oh, what's Moses say? Uh, verse 13, then the Lord said, who gave you the mouth? Oh, yeah, Moses says, oh, Lord, please send somebody else. Verse 14, what about your brother Aaron? Ugh. The Lord's now frustrated with Moses. He's not going to give up on Moses, but he's going to go along with Moses. He knows about the only way Moses is going to take this job. He will grow. He's a Moses in the making. He's going to be the greatest leader of the Old Testament, by far. But he's not there yet. The only way he can get him to say, I do, is to say, what about your brother Aaron? I know your brother Aaron can talk. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron's going to go with me? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, you know, that's Moses' version of, here am I, send Aaron. And you know what Aaron becomes to Moses? A thorn in the side. Aaron will get in the way and mess things up again and again and again till finally at some point Moses is going to go, what was I thinking when I asked for Aaron to help me out with this? Because, see, he grows. Aaron's a mess. Lower story application is this. Whenever God sends you to do something, you don't need another partner. Amen? If God calls you to do it, you don't need another partner other than who? God. Here's the point. We resist God's grace, and Moses is resisting it, resisting it, resisting it, when our guilt has not been dealt with. Don't let your guilt keep you from what God's best is for your life. Don't let your guilt keep you from what God's best is for your life. 
So, what am I going to do to make it through a tight spot? I've got to receive God's grace. Everything begins with grace and everything ends with grace. That's the starting point. Moses now has the grace of God upon him. Second thing, you must know that God has a plan. Okay, God, I'm ready to go. I got my brother with me. Let's get going. Now, what's the plan? Well, the plan is going to be a 10-lesson correspondence course, right? Because he's going to go and he's going to say, we're going to have to fast forward this. Um, He's going to go and say, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's going to say, who is your God that I should listen to him? And he said, all right, let me turn the water to blood. Boom, water to blood. And then those ten plagues. The last one becomes the death angel. And the death angel flies over, and where there's not the blood of the lamb, guess what happens? Every firstborn child dies. The king has a firstborn child. What did the king say to the children of Israel living in the land of Goshen? All firstborn babies go where? Nile River. Kill them all. Now it's coming back to haunt him, right? What goes around comes around. God will not be mocked. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Ten lesson correspondence course. And when his boy dies that night, he didn't even wait till the next morning. He wakes up Moses. Well, I doubt Moses was asleep. He sends for Moses. And he says, Moses, you get these people ready and you get them out of my kingdom right now. And the next morning they get up and, man, they're heading out of town. And as they're going out of town, guess what? God had favor on the people. And Moses says, hey, your slave owners have a lot of cash, gold, silver, anything you want, ask for it, and guess what? You're going to get it. And on the way out, they're going, they're going down loaded with gold and silver and jewels and anything. You say, well, they're ripping the people off. No, 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 no. How long they've been in captivity, folks? 430 years. This is payday. And when they left Egypt, they left rich. All the gold, all the silver, all the means that they're going to need to build a tabernacle, later a temple, they've got it in that cash right there. God's hands on God has a plan. They get a payday, but they also have a hard-hearted Pharaoh. Remember, they now leave, and they're not very far away from town. And Pharaoh hardens his heart, hardens his heart, hardens his heart. Oh, very few people like this. But God to use hard-hearted people in situations, right? And he uses everybody, the good, the bad, the ugly. And, and one more time, Pharaoh hardens his heart. And he, and, he, and he sends out a group, an army, and he goes with them. He's going to bring these guys back. And it looks like Moses and the people are trapped. But God has a plan. Exodus 14, verse 2, Tell the people to march between Migdol and the sea. Camp there along the shore, opposite baal Zephin. Then Pharaoh will think, those Israelites are confused. They are trapped between the wilderness and the sea. Now listen, folks, if God is on your side and God is leading your route, are you trapped? If you obey God and you camp where God tells you to camp, are you trapped? No. Does it look like you're trapped from a human point of view? Yeah. Does it look like you're in a tight spot hanging by a fingernail? Absolutely. But are you going to make it through that tight spot? You bet. Why? Because you're going along with the plan. You're obeying God's plan. Here's the point. If you want to take God's plan, there's a catch. You also have to take his timing. Remember last week we said that God is rarely early, but he's never late. And his timing is going to show up at just the right 
moment. Now, it's a struggle to have to deal with this, but in the end, it's really the only thing that works, right? You will endure God's timing. It just has to be that way. But what kind of attitude are you going to have as you are enduring? You get extra credit for a good attitude, okay? So some of you are enduring right now. That's your word. That's your adventure right now. I'm enduring, Lord. Okay, well, hang in there. I lay no greater burden on you. He said that one time to a church, one of the seven churches. I lay no other burden on you. Just hang in there tough, but hang in there with a good attitude. Remember, we're going to make it through. God is on your side. Number three, you must face your greatest fear. Whenever you're in a tight spot, you've got to face your greatest fear. Remember I told you if you run from it, you've got to repeat it, so don't run. What was Moses' greatest fear? Pharaoh. He's in the land of Midian. He's a wanted man. He's got to go back to Egypt where he's wanted and face Pharaoh. Thanks, but no thanks. But he did it. And now he's free. But you know what God sometimes makes you do? Just to make sure you got it. He makes you face your greatest fear more than once. Who's still alive after the ten plagues? Pharaoh. Who does God want dead? Pharaoh. And so it's all part of the plan. Camp here. It's going to look like you're trapped. Pharaoh's going to come and watch what happens after that. You've got to have a map. If you're going to make it to Migdal in the sea, you've got to have a map. If it's going to be opposite Belzephon, you've got to have a map to know where that is. You've got to face your greatest fear. Now, we don't want to do that. Most of us would say, I don't, want to, I don't want to do that. And we'll say, God, I want your map. But I want your map for my life to read like this. And then you lay it all out there, and it's just this perfect life, you know, with great childhood, great education, great family, great, you know, retirement plan. Uh, and then you die in your sleep. Oh, you're all snuggly, having a really good dream about Jesus. And then you wake up in heaven. That's my plan, Lord. No struggle, no heartache, no pain. You know, God's map for your life just doesn't really work that way. But that's the way we want it to work. Okay, God, I'm in a tight spot. Give me the map, but I want this map to lead me through the shortest distance, through the least amount of pain, and the quickest time. All right, give me the map. And God says, you really mean that? Yeah. Okay, well, what's your tight spot? Oh, my my marriage is in trouble. God, I want a better marriage. Okay, here's the map. Admit where you were wrong. <coughs> Come on, God. That's the map? Really? You want me to admit my, my fault in this? Oh, come on. Anything but that. Give me another map, Lord. See, we don't want to follow the map. The map will take us to that one place that we don't want to go. And when Moses got his, his map, it took him to Pharaoh. And, and, and Pharaoh's now childless. Moses is now free. But Pharaoh's now chasing Moses. He's got to face his greatest fear one more time. Verse 9, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, and he had a bunch of them, folks, horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea. The exact spot God told them to be, by the sea. And so Moses has to face his greatest fear one more time. Where did he get the courage to do that? Look at Hebrews eleven twenty seven. 27. 
By faith, he left Egypt. That's Moses. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. If you want to do the impossible and make it through, you've got to see him who is invisible, who's going to give you the power. See how that works together? Here's the point. You must get your eyes off your problem and on to God. While you're looking at your problem, you're not going to be looking at God. You're never going to make it through. Keep your eyes on God. Number four. Number one, you must receive God's grace. It all starts with grace. You've got to know that God does have a plan. Number three, you've got to face your greatest fear. And number four, you must take the next step of faith, whatever that is. And I don't know what your next step of faith is in your adventure that you're on right now. But you know it. God knows it. But you've got to take it. Now, some think that faith is kind of just sitting in an easy chair and saying, okay, God, here's my problem. I'm in a tight spot. Take care of it. That's not faith. It's all up to God. Others think, okay, here's faith. I've got to get out there, and if it's going to be, it's up to me. And you do everything, and you don't even include God. That's not faith either. Faith is putting those two things together. Watch this interesting exchange that takes place on the Sea of Galilee as they're camped there along the shores of Zephon. The people had something to say, Moses had something to say, and God had something to say. The people said, Was it because there's no graves in Egypt that you brought us out in the desert to die? How would you like to hear that if you're Moses? Moses, hey, God's got a plan. Look, look, here's the map. Here's where he told us to camp. See, Moses knows, you know, God's, God's got a solution here. They don't know that yet. Moses is in leadership. This is the church, you know. Oh, by the way, when they left Egypt, it is estimated that they were upwards of 2 million people. Now, that's quite a church, isn't it? That's a huge group to lead. And they said, hey, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? We've got to come out in the desert and die out here? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Who are they blaming here? Moses. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. <laughs> oh, what a, what a group this is. They, they don't want to go through their tight spot. They want to go back to Egypt. Egypt was the tight spot, folks. Some of you have gotten comfortable with your tight spot. And so you're just going to stay there. Don't allow that to happen. Moses said, don't be afraid. Just stand where you are and watch the Lord rescue you. Rescue you. Now, doesn't that sound spiritual? You know, here's the leader. Just stand where you are. You know, and as spiritual as that sounds, God had something to say. Exodus 14, 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get what? Moving. You've got to do something. You take the next step of faith, and then I'll do my part. See, God had a plan to open a sea. But he wasn't going to open the sea until the people showed some faith. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Put that in the positive. Faith pleases God. And as soon as they took that first step, guess what? Water start dividing. Seas opening up. You got dry ground. 
you got a pursuing army. Yeah, but you know what? You're going to make it to the other side. You're going to get out of this tight spot. Enemies breathing down your neck. The chariots are coming. The horsemen are coming. Pharaoh is coming. But you've got an escape route through a sea. Water on both sides. Pillar of cloud leading you through. God Almighty Himself. His hand is upon you. And when they did, the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Here's the point. The Red Sea did not split until the people began to move toward it. Let me say that one more time because we're going to close with this. The Red Sea did not split until when? The people showed some faith and began to move it. Get it? Good. James chapter 2 verse 17. In the same way, just like the people moved, faith by itself is not, if not accompanied by action, is what? Dead. Here's the big idea. Real faith is not choosing between faith or action. It's faith motivating the action. And who's our faith in, folks? Ourselves or God? God. Absolutely. So, I leave you with this question. What's your next step? Where is God leading you? I encourage you to take it. Let's pray. Father, you see our hearts. You see our minds. You know what we're thinking. You know our problems. You know exactly where we are in this adventure called life. You know what we're thinking right now. And Father, as we start to think over in our own minds, and I want you to do that right now, think of your next step of faith. Think of your tight spot. Maybe it's to reconcile a relationship. Maybe it's to bring your finances under control. Maybe it's to overcome a habit. Would you say, God, help us with our greatest fear, whatever that is, and give us the strength to take the next step. You might even want to pray, God, I need an exodus. Just as Moses needed an exodus, I need one too. I need a way out, an escape route, a way to make it through with you by my side. I don't need any other partners other than you, Father, but you lead me to the people that you want to use here in this life to help. Now, your first step may be to put faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, you can't even get in on the action yet. You need grace. It all starts with grace, and it ends with grace. Then you get your roadmap. Then you get God's presence. Then you get your burning bush experience and all of his power. Say to him, God, I need your strength through your son. I realize that I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness. And I realize that I need direction, and I need guidance in life. And so I'm looking to you for it. I'm not looking to anyone else but you, God. And so today, I'm ready to receive you. I admit I'm a sinner, but I want to receive you through faith, repentance, and baptism. In the name of Jesus, amen. Church, let's stand. Let's sing to the Lord.